Welcome to Shrimp Cocktail, a dish best served cold. A place where shrimps discuss our lives, housewives, and the way Celia Michelle has cooked in. Hey guys, welcome to Shrimp Cocktail Podcast. Hosted by two long-term best friends, Becky and Peter, who trauma bonded at boarding school in Atlantic Canada in the early 2000s. We have maintained constant contact for a decade and a half now. And we had the impulse to create this because we do this anyway. You and I talk every single day. It's always usually revolving around the things we're watching yeah, and exactly. using them as a catalyst for things we care about. So what we found is that the housewives had really been this tether for our relationship. And, you know, we just wanted to stretch that out and exercise that band of friendship between us. <laughs> two girls. Test our friendship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two girls from the East Coast. And now Becky's living in Montreal and I'm in Vancouver. And... This is one way that we can just keep in touch. Yeah, well, because we've consistently been doing this the whole time. And I think when I became your friend, your best friend in high school, it was around the same time that I sort of did a deep dive into these things that I'm really interested in, which are like women on the verge of a breakdown. You and I, like, we connected over delisted and like... 2007 was like a really problematic era for internet celebrity culture, but... At the same time, we're still obsessed with that era and still kind of want to hark back to it. And maybe in a more critical lens, that's a bit more PC and acceptable with today's language. But definitely 2007, those Lindsay, Paris, Brittany, those were the girls mm -hmm. they were making the headlines every day. Yeah. And like, just I think also a sympathetic lens. You and I get to toe the balance between uh, extending that to our housewives or whoever we're watching with the sort of ironic critical gaze that is just like so typical of people who came up in our same generation. A lot of the qualities you and I gravitate towards, it's almost this transcendent quality of female energy being captured on camera. You know, whether it was the invasive paparazzi of the 2000s or now watching Housewives and seeing them break down in real time like you and I have always found like a lot of meaning in it and the documentation is meaningful and, and also we were kind of at the advent of reality tv when we were popularized so we, I wasn't fully into Orange County when it first came out but definitely NYC is where I got hooked yeah, I, NYC or New Jersey were probably my sort of beginnings of me kind of getting it, like something clicking. The internalized misogyny had shifted enough that I was able to appreciate women being messy. Yeah. And that it wasn't like if I aligned with them or found meaningful content in it, it didn't mean that it's because I was condoning behavior or something. We want the girls to win ultimately. And yeah. it wouldn't be an interesting show if we weren't rooting for them, I don't think. Yeah, and rooting for them can take many different faces. If we seem hypercritical, it's because we are to ourselves anyways. So we're allowed. Yeah, exactly. So as people who have mental health issues, we're allowed to speak on people who have mental health issues. <laughs> yes. And like, I absolutely have permission to talk about this. Yeah, exactly. We'll be throwing wine just as often as the girls on TV. 
Yeah, I will get like a little shield for my iPad so I can throw wine at it. Yeah, throwing up wine more likely for, for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whole exorcist, like, <laughs> Today's world, you never know, like, if a good headline is really a good thing. And a lot of these girls are just playing so many games with the media. We never can even tell what's real. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think well, when you and I met back in like what, 2006 or something, we were messy housewives in our own way because you and I were, we met each other in boarding school, which I always compare in my mind to being on a really bad housewives trip, <laughs> being stuck, not having any say in like what you do, what you eat, where you go and stuff. And I think you and I were acting out like housewives the whole time we, we were getting to know each other. And we definitely were the talk of the school. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we were messy, messy girls. And it stood out, especially in that conservative environment. You yeah. and I having just no shame about the stigmas being attached to us. You know, open drug use. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting up between class. Yeah, between <laughs> their toes. Becky and I basically met at a boarding school in 2006 in rural New Brunswick, uh, in a town called Rosse. The school is only about 250 kids and that's from K to 12. So you can imagine how small and insular that is. Not to mention the school is located on like an acreage of like 250 acres. So you're kind of stuck there and you're kind of in this own little bubble. And yeah. It creates a lot of drama. Things are very insular. Word gets around, lots of whispering. The best way I could describe it is it's Scary Island, but set in Hogwarts. Yes, exactly. I was going to say it's like Hogwarts kind of, Hogwarts visuals, but with like clueless attitudes. Exactly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you and I were like, you know what Mean Girls, like the... um, the friends that Katie meets when she goes to school is like the the gay guy and the goth girl. That was us. But um, we were also cool. And so was, did that make... <laughs> was Katie? That's such a good observation. <laughs> it was like cool. But like reverse Katie. <laughs> if we played Mean Girls backwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah. No. <laughs> W. Katie, because she was the one who was entrenched in the cool kid scene, and you and I were leaving the same high school to enter Arnest. I was a complete goth, like goth girl. We had like art vibes, art because like the art school teacher loved us. And that was very Damien and what's his name? What's her name? I can't remember. Yeah, they had they were like the art school nerds. Yeah, we were art school nerds, but we were also, I think Damien and what's her face from Mean Girls were just like sober while we worked. Yeah, so we were cooler, basically. Do you remember when you first met me? Um, well, I think I talked about this the other day, is that we were listening to, we were on the bus to New York City, but I don't know if that was the first time we met you. That's the first time I remember like chilling with you. Uh, I think it was the same for me, is that we met on a school trip I have a memory of being in Chinatown in New York with you and we bought cigarette holders yeah turtles yeah because <laughs> like there were so few of us that were openly like smokers at that time and you and I were just like both like really into it and also I think we I remember going to um Abercrombie and Fitch with you I remember going outside I have like a picture of you and like Olivia or someone but she was like her name was like Leah or something. I don't know. Leah McSweeney. Yeah, I was thinking her maybe her last name was McSweeney, but it wasn't Leah. 
No. I forget. She was like friends with that. They're like cousins or something. But yeah, I don't remember going inside. I remember. I remember the outside of the store though. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So you you went to Ernest when you were in the eleventh grade, and you did not continue while I went in eleven to twelve. Yeah, and you got held back. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> Leah Michelle. <laughs> I'm funny girl. <laughs> Didn't she say she was gonna like spit in someone's wig or something? On, no, like... shit in someone's shit wig. wig. Okay, thank you for <laughs> Yeah, you, you said <laughs> one, oh, one letter for the other. <laughs> exactly. Okay, shit in the wig. I'm gonna shit in your wig, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> you just been wearing a wig. The bangs aren't real. Yeah, <laughs> bangers. <laughs> Remember Bangers from, what is it? I Love That For You? I don't remember. It was like a product they were selling on I Love That For You. And it was like clipping bangs. Like, get banged. Oh, because yeah. I know that's a real product. I got confused. Thinking yeah, but they called it referencing a, an actual product. Yeah. Maybe you should that would be a bangs. great idea for like my next birthday. Everyone has to, the at the bangs. door, you get bangs you have to put on. Oh, everyone dresses like Becky? Yeah, or where they have to have bangs. Night of a Million Beckys? <laughs> yeah <laughs> we should just do that at next party anyways settled she doesn't have an option she doesn't have any say in it no no so yeah we're from the east coast which is not Quebec, as many people in Vancouver like to think. It is further than that. It's rural. It's New Brunswick. It is Nova Scotia. It is PEI. And so that for those American listeners, it's Maine, but like beyond Maine. So you can imagine how rural that is. And you know what Maine is known for? Lobsters. So, and Stephen King. Yeah. Which is like our experience. <laughs> well, I was going to, to segue into the fact that that's why we called it shrimp cocktails, because... Right. We're coming from a very nautical yeah. maritime culture. Well, because, you know, Peter's family is from this small island off of New Brunswick that no one, if you're not from the Atlantic provinces, you would never hear of this place. It is called Grand and it is so small and like isolated. And that's where you come from. Like, <laughs> <laughs> see it in your bone structure. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so inbred. In your learning disabilities. <laughs> um, and, yeah <laughs> and i come from cape breton which is also like a small island but it's 20 times the size of where you come it's from. a lot more connected because it has a bridge but at the same yeah. time it does have its own culture it is similar to new brown or graminan in that uh the fishing the fishermen's fishermen's be happening over there <laughs> And very like Newfie kind of too. Grandma Nan, Cape Breton, and Newfie are kind of like interchangeable in terms of the workers, especially because they're kind of the only ones that actually know what they're doing. So if they need like seasonal workers here and there, they'll come from those locations. Yeah. So we both have that connection to the hardcore maritime seafood scene. My mom's from PEI, which has the oysters and I don't know what else. And the know. potatoes and the, and the green gabe. <laughs> the green gables. The Gay holes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was born in Florenceville, which is actually the French fry capital of the world. I'm sure a lot of you are just tuning out right now. This is kind of boring. 
so yeah, potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. I'm Carlton <laughs> County boy. I'm shrimp, a- shrimp, shrimp. Potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. Yeah, exactly. You and I have always connected on upbringing our parents bring to the table when we met each other, you know, having like truly like small town vibes. Even though you and I so desperately wanted to shed that layer of ourselves when we met each other, we wanted to be considered cosmopolitan or just different than how we actually were. We were obsessed with pulling looks. We were all wearing uniforms at the school, but we had to be as different as possible. Remember Rich Day? Okay. That could be a whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) That that could be its own episode. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to explain? Oh, God, it's so embarrassing. I know. Um, That's I think... why I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Rich Day is so embarrassing, but it's really telling of, like, the time in which we were alive <laughs> and, like, the um, upbringing we had. Where... But also, like, our aspirations and, like, the kind of role models that were in pop culture at the time. Yeah. We wanted to, like, we would choose a day and just wear the most expensive look we had and just get super fucked up on drugs and alcohol and document it and like that we call it rich day but we would also go to the most poor looking places and we go to walmart and the dumb like the gas station yeah banding train station gas station anything that was kind of like like a dumpster and then we'd like take photo shoots and super edgy We might have to leak some of the pictures on our instagram now that we brought it up Oh my god. Okay, some of them remember when someone posted a photo that had to get removed immediately because it was so bad. What was it? Uh, a mirror. Oh, who posted that? <laughs> she would. <laughs> it's fine. She didn't, you know, like it was, I think it was on Facebook of all places. Exactly. Because Facebook back in the day, people used to upload albums of like 60 photos, and that was kind of exactly after every night you'd be you would be like, this is you get tagged in three photos. You wake up, three photos that you tag, you're like, oh God, and you check Facebook and there'd be these disgusting pics of you. Yeah. Just kind of social media in its truest form because it, it was kind of referential to the blog and culture at the time. Yeah, totally. Like we wanted it to still be consistent with this aesthetic that we were absorbing all the time, like being fans of D-listed and of TMZ and all that kind of stuff. Of it feeling messy and unimportant, you know, like not putting, not being so precious about it and over posting was kind of fun too at that point. Yeah. It was definitely subversive for us. And also like kind of lore building, like creating a lore about yourself, which was like a thing then. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We need to make it clear the timeline. We left off everyone when we were in Rasse. So what happened after that, Becky? what happened after that I went to art school in Montreal and I've been here ever since and you followed suit yeah I was in Montreal but ultimately decided to be in Vancouver now we're two grown people thinking that we're still children (laughs) absolutely you and I are definitely that safe space in which we regress and kind of allow ourselves to never grow as children and stay children yeah, we're permanently like in a state of being like 16 with each other. And never having to grow up. And we guess we just yeah. found that since we were talking to each other and laughing so much about housewives, it was kind of a selfish way for us to bond and hopefully share some of the laughs with you guys, the shrimpies. Yeah, 
that we get so much out of it. The housewives acting as a lily pad to leap off of when it comes just talking about larger themes in our lives. The nuances of who you align with, who like you despise and that week to week thing. I think just to tie it all together, it really brings us back to that small town, white picket fence, keeping appearance vibes, which we both kind of relate to and sort mm-hmm. of see, see past that like facade and how superficial it can be. But how I mean, there's so many emotions underneath. We were kind of that hypersensitive child in the family that was taking on all those feelings. Exactly. But yeah, we can totally understand and read between the lines with the housewives and every little look and gaze and why the significance of something so small could be so blown up sometimes, I guess. Going back to the fact that we're still children and that we're still like stuck in the year 2007, it's such a clear pipeline to the type of voyeuristic paparazzi in 2007 to allowing now the camera to go into these women's homes. It was the departure that just made so much sense in terms of wanting to get transparency with the kind of blurred lines between like subject and object. But at the same time, it allows uh, women to have more control in terms of what the viewer see. It's a bit more polished. It's definitely not reality, I guess, but it's just hyper I feel like when you and I refer to like the game that they're playing, that's what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we grew up in small towns, but we kind of had the internet to reassure us along the way that we weren't the only ones that were addicted or addicted that were (laughs) validated by these kind of families who were ruling it at the time, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was definitely a mirror to like view yourself with. Going on to today, me and Becky are still, I'm doing background work and she's working at a cafe. We're both still doing art and we have, my thesis for my MFA was literally about food and location and Becky's art recalls sort of nostalgic themes of the Maritimes. Yeah, we're very much still stuck there. Mm -hmm. Like even though we haven't lived there in so, so many years, our interests always harken back to it of an idealized time past that never really existed or even like pertained to us. Yeah, it's weird. We get to like identify with these symbols like shrimp and lobsters and take ownership mm-hmm. over it. It's fun. This is what the podcast is all about. It's a mix. It's a cocktail. It's shrimp. <laughs> it's shrimp. It's cocktail. Yeah, no, exactly. Like I think you and I are just two people who are desperate to rectify our histories and our past to like the things that led up to why we are the way we are now it's not clear like I don't really know always how I got here and it's almost like use going back to the housewives like we're using these scenarios to kind of rectify our own traumas and Mm -hmm. another thing that I wanted to say is that how it's just hard to watch these shows without saying something because it's so problematic Mm-hmm. feels so absurd to sit there quietly yes the shows especially at this point now like the producers they evoke such a, like, an emphatic reaction out of their audience it's impossible for me not to watch housewives alone and not say things aloud to an empty exactly. room violence is violence <laughs> it does apply to this though because when someone does something absolutely ridiculous i am just looking around on my couch being like who can i tell this to right now that exactly. she had the audacity to not invite someone to a party or, you know, whatever scenario, like you see. Or a drink, house. whatever. I have a question for you. Is watching the demise of women, do you think that is something that is more of a primal instinct or do you think that it's something that's conditioned in our culture? I guess it, it depends what you refer to as like a demise because 
I see it as this primal instinct to have a self-examination that happens when you see someone like fail in real time, like especially as a woman, you wonder what steps she took that you can prohibit yourself from taking in terms of protecting yourself from that scrutiny and like embarrassment and shame that is always so part and parcel with the series. I don't know if it, my intention is malicious. I, I feel like I have a 50-50 approach when it comes to it. There's this medieval jester quality where you can't help be entertained when exactly. people I was, was going to say, we like to follow Marie Antoinette and Cleopatra and these sort of women. We like to watch them build up and fall from glory. Yeah. Well, and also I think it's really pertinent in this day and age because in Housewives, they are always rich people. And now more than ever, the difference is so drastically apparent. Being rich is the haves and the haves nots. And you and I are definitely the have nots. Don't have any of the access that these women have. So when we see them have like a half-assed business that they barely put any effort into and it like fails miserably on the show and they have to be like held accountable for it there's a weird joy that comes into it that it's kind of i'm not like proud of it it's this weird thing about like almost seeing like the emperor has no clothes yeah it's true i don't know if it's sadistic or whatever you want to say but it definitely could be a learning experience for sure but mm -hmm. definitely there's something satisfying about seeing people who were flaunting their money, I guess, and seeing that kind of be thrown back in their face. Exactly, yeah. Marriages that were doomed to fail from the beginning, watching them- Exactly, having all of our like, beliefs confirmed. It really does confirm our beliefs and theories we can have, like, oh, this marriage isn't gonna last in three seasons later. Like, there it is, okay. Yeah, I think of that, I think her name's Lisa from the uh, Miami franchise, where she was a, you know, avid Trump supporter, someone who I would not be friends with. And it became clear in the past few months, her husband was cheating on her. And so her whole life is now different. And a part of me feels weirdly vindicated just because we like our, our politics don't align. It's, it's very base. It's base level emotions that are like, you're not proud to say like, we're garbage it's people. It's not something you're proud of, but. Uh, on Bitch Sesh, they call their viewers garbage people. So we are one of those as well. Absolutely. I just wanted to read you a definition of prawn cocktail by Nigel Slater. It wasn't okay. actually a definition, but it more of a quote from an article. Okay. The cocktail has spent most of its life seesawing from the height of fashion to the laughably passe and is now served with a degree of irony. Ooh, that is so accurate to like the franchises of Bravo stuff in general, but also like your, your interests in this yeah. whole thing. It really sounds everything. To everything. It applies to everything. I can't even like dissect it because it's written so beautifully. Yeah. And it's obviously it's talking about like a dish. It really could be so applied to like the medium of reality TV. The verb I think, Like a, a female centric content too. Oh, Becky's getting deep. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to say was like coming from, we're both from art school backgrounds where all you do really in art school is critique other people's work. So it's very second nature of us to be so descriptive and critical, but also constructive. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, going back to the quote, it's talking about the height of fashion and the laughably passe. It's just, that's the housewives right there, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And the irony element of it too. Exactly. Because we love yeah, shrimp like, cocktails. We own the shrimp cocktail. No, I order them when I see them on the menu. Like, 
I, it, it is an ironic dish because you so have like associations with shrimp cocktails. I think of, you know, like that scene in uh, Beetlejuice with the shrimp cocktails. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Okay. Well, there's a scene where Catherine O'Hara becomes possessed by the ghosts. Like, I forget Catherine O'Hara in it. Now I want to watch it again. I'm going to watch it. Oh my God. Yeah. She's amazing in it. She gets possessed by kind of the demon in the house and everyone has a shrimp cocktail ready for them at their plate. And at the very last scene, it, it grabs them by the face, the shrimps, and pulls them into their Okay. Plate. We're obviously posting that on the Insta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. But I think when this movie came out was in the mid-90s. I think that was because shrimp cocktails very much had that entrenched irony of rich loser people eating this kind of food. It was, I researched it a bit, skimming over the Wikipedia pages, saying the popularity was between the 50s and the 80s. So I guess by the 90s, it was passe. And I think that was the point in using it in the, the Tim Burton movie. It's because it was passe and that this woman, the host, Catherine O'Hara, as the character, like hosting it was just someone who was so disconnected from everything as this avant-garde artist that she wouldn't even second guess having like a cocktail, a shrimp cocktail at her party. Which these, I'm sure this, a lot of these housewives are the same way. Exactly. Yeah. Like, no, it's, it's so meta. <laughs> yeah, it's so meta. I think we should just leave our shrimpies with that. And there's a lot to think about there and they can just sit with those feelings. Is there anything else you... Want to let our shrimpies know? No. <laughs> no. Leave now while you still can. Yes. Get out. <laughs> this has all been a psyop. Yeah. To sell shrimp from Big Shrimp. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next episode. All right. Love you. We want to talk. Shrimp Cocktail Podcast is created, produced, and edited by Becky P and Peter B. Find us on social media at Shrimp Cocktail Podcast and on Twitter at Shrimp Podcast. Special thanks to Catherine at Kane Pat for the cover art and to AJ at Greek Jerky for the theme song. Please catfish us at shrimpcocktailpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you love Shrimp Cocktail, be sure to follow us on Patreon for exclusive episodes and more. Goodbye. Perfect. Okay. Sounds great.